May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. Really, really glad that you're here today. Um, I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us by video feed. Glad that you guys are with us today as well. Uh, Today, we're talking about becoming generous. Now, there are some people that would say, you know, I don't really even know why we're talking about this because I don't really view a lack of generosity as a problem that needs to be solved. Because look, it's my money, I earned it, I have a right to spend it as I wish. So really, there's no problem that needs to be solved here. Okay? And I know that there are people that think that because the truth is, that's the way I used to think. <laughs> because when Amy and I, when we first got married, I was not a generous person. Now, I was a tither, and we'll talk about what that means here in just a little bit, but I was not a generous person. I I mean, the only thing I ever gave to was to our church, and I would actually calculate the amount of money I was running to church, like down to the penny, okay? And most of the time, I rounded down, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying, that's just what I did. In fact, um, I was so ungenerous that like when little kids would come to our house, you know, with a fundraiser, you know, they're selling candy or candles or wrapping paper, you know, whatever it was they were selling that day, I promise you, like, I never bought anything, ever. And I was a youth pastor at the time, and I actually used that as an excuse not to buy stuff from kids, okay? And here's what I would do. Literally, I'd answer the door, and then I'd get down their level, I'd be like, look, I'm a youth pastor. And if I buy something from you for your fundraiser, then I've got to buy something from every other kid that's doing a fundraiser too. So I can't do that. And so I'm going to have to pass. But thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> I know. It's so embarrassing. I can't believe I did that. And honestly, saying it out loud, like... I was just a jerk. I mean, I was like, what kid's going to whatever come to our church? You know, good grief. So anyway, um, now Amy, total opposite. Like, she'd buy anything from these kids. And she did. She just bought it. Whatever they were selling, she bought it. In fact, on one time, she bought like like a a square of wrapping paper for like 20 bucks. I'm like, what are we going to wrap with that? Like a bar of soap? I mean, seriously, like what what are we going to do with that kind of thing? So, um, that's just way she's just super generous like that. And then um, one one of those days, you know, after I had you know dashed some poor fundraising kids' hopes to the ground, Amy is so sweet. She said to me, she said, "You know, Mike, I always prayed that God would give me a generous husband." I was like, <laughs> because I knew I wasn't generous. And so you know what I did? In my daily time alone with God, I began to pray and say, God, please make me a generous person. Every day when I would get alone with God, I would pray, God, please make me a generous person. I want you to look at what Solomon, the wisest man in the world, probably the richest as well, says about us when we are not generous. Look what the Bible says. Go ahead and pull out your message notes. It's written there for you. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible says this, or Solomon writes, he says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. 
another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. He says that when we're generous, we gain even more. But when we're not generous, we come to poverty. Now, poverty here may or may not mean money, okay? Now, the most natural reading of the scripture is to take it as money, so I think it's very likely that it means that. And Solomon is basically explaining one of the mysteries of money, and that is, is that the tighter you hold on to it, the less room there is in your hand for more. That's not what he's saying here. But it could also mean more than that. As, with, as is true with many sayings, there perhaps could be multiple layers of meaning to this saying. You know, perhaps poverty here could be a poverty of friends. I mean, greedy people don't have very many friends. It could be referencing a spiritual poverty. Because if our trust is in, is in money and the security that it seems to provide, then our trust really isn't in God. It could be referencing a poverty of closeness in marriage. Because I'm telling you, when a husband and wife, when they fight about money, it can drive a wedge between them that's very, very hard to resolve and to remove. I mean, look, there's so many ways this verse could, could apply. But by observing generous people, I have observed that the exact opposite is true. That those that are generous, they're very close to God because they really trust God and they have great faith in him. In addition, they're happier people. And that happiness just tends to spill over into their friendships and into their marriage. I'm telling you, look, nothing beats generosity. Nothing beats generosity. And so then the question for us becomes, well, how do I become generous? Well, we have time to talk about two ways this morning. Here's the first. First thing, I need to do what generous people would do. In order to become generous, I need to do what generous people would do. Remember when I told you that I started praying that God would make me into a generous person? Well, wouldn't you know it, no kidding, that very next week, a kid knocks on our door and he's selling bags of Skittles for his fundraiser. And he tells me that they're $8 a bag. <laughs> now, I've been praying that God would change my heart. And so when he told me they're $8 a bag, do you know what now started going through my mind? Like, I thought, this is a total ripoff, man. I mean, $8 a bag, are you kidding me? No, okay, they were an oversized bag, but it was like a supersized price. I mean, it was a total ripoff. And so you know what I did? I bought one. I bought one. And the reason I bought one was not because it was a good value. It was, it was a total ripoff, as far as that goes. But I, but get, listen, Getting a good value was not my goal. My goal was to become generous. Now, truth is, if I was really generous, I'd have bought like two bags or maybe even more. But hey, look, I'd only been praying the prayer like a week, okay? <laughs> so, you know, baby steps. So just you know, give me a break here. <laughs> now, here's the thing. If I had waited until I felt generous, I never would have bought the candy. So 
I realized I had to just simply decide to do what generous people would do. And so I bought the Skittles. And you know what that did for me? God used that to begin to change my heart. And so now I'm much more generous than I ever used to be. Like when little kids knock on a door, I buy something from them every time, no matter what they're selling. Amy and I, like we now sponsor multiple kids through World Vision. One time we even gave away our car to a person in ministry that really needed it. I'm telling you, deciding to do what generous people would do really changed my heart. And when the Lord ever brings us opportunities to become generous, we try to find ways to say yes. But look, it all started because I didn't wait around before, to, uh, to feel like being generous before I did something. I just decided to do what generous people do. And God used that to change my heart. And he'll do it for you. Look, if you wait around until you feel like being generous, then you'll never give a thing. It'll never happen. You have to do what generous people do if you're going to be like what generous people are like. Okay? You've got to do what generous people do if you're ever going to be like what generous people like. Let's look at one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, the point of the story of the Good Samaritan really is that we are to be kind to anyone and everyone. But part of the story that Jesus tells relates to generosity. Now, if you don't know the story of the Good Samaritan, let me set it up for you. A guy is traveling down a road, and he's ambushed by robbers. And they um, beat him within an inch of his life and leave him on the side of the road for dead. A priest walks by and does nothing. A Levite, who's a guy that works in the temple, walks by, and he does nothing. And then a third guy walks by. Let's pick up the story there. It's, in, it's found in uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 35. It says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins. I want you to underline two silver coins. That's important. We're going to come back to it in a second. And gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, when we read that the guy pulls out two silver coins, you know, we think that he gave the innkeeper, you know, like 50 cents, you know, a couple quarters. Or maybe perhaps he gave him two silver dollars. But, you know, regardless, it's a small amount of money. We think, oh, wasn't that nice? You know, gave the innkeeper enough money to, you know, buy some extra Band-Aids. But if you were there when Jesus was telling the story, like, you'd have been freaking out. Because the coins that Jesus is referencing, the coin is called a denarius, okay? Now, a denarius was equal to one full day's wage. So if you started work, you know, early in the morning, worked hard all day long, you know, dawn till dusk, at the end of the day, you'd be given a denarius. So to them, it was a lot of money. And this guy gave the innkeeper two. So think about that just for a second. How, how, much do you, how much money do you make in a day? 
The average income of people in our area, combined income for a household, is just over $100,000 a year. If you take that down to a day, that's about $275 a day. So it would be like the innkeeper, uh, the guy giving the innkeeper 550 bucks and saying, you know what, that ought to be more than enough, and if, if for some reason it's not, when I come back, I'll give him more. That's what happened. So here's the point. The Samaritan was incredibly generous. He was incredibly generous. And since Samaritans, get this, since Samaritans don't normally like Jews, he had every reason not to feel generous. But he chose to do what generous people would do. And he's remembered forever. And by the way, that's one of the key reasons why you ought to work really hard to get out of debt. Because, you know, because we talked about debt last week. Because if the good Samaritan was heavily in debt, you know, if he had like, you know, credit card debt and school loans and car loans and that kind of thing, he might not have been able to afford to be generous. He might not have been able to help that man at all because he could have been strapped for cash. But because he wasn't in debt, or be, I'm sorry, we don't know for sure whether he was in debt or not, but bottom line, because he had money available, he was able to do what generous people would do. And he's remembered forever. So do what generous people do. Be generous. And I would say be generous even if you are in debt. And if you are in debt, you know, like I said, be generous where you can. And if for some, and there might be times when you might have to say no because you can't because you just don't have the cash available because of the debt. And let that anger and that distaste for debt kind of well up inside you and use that as motivation to get out of debt so that you can do what generous people do. But I'll tell you this, you'll never really make it to being a generous person unless you do Number two. Second thing is this, one word, tithe. Tithe. I've got to tithe. Now, the word tithe is, it's not a word we use anywhere in our society other than in a church setting, okay? The word tithe, um, this is a biblical word that simply means first tenth. It, it, it just simply means first tenth. So essentially, God says to you, and he says to me, he says, look, I want you to give me a tenth of your income. And if you do, I will bless the other nine tenths so that it will be more than enough. And if you will trust me with, your, with 10%, it will keep your heart from becoming materialistic. It will keep your trust in me and not in your money. Okay? That thought is the biblical thinking behind tithing, okay? Look what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verses 9 and 10. He says this, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. I want you to circle that word first fruits, okay? That's a reference to a person's tithe because people were to give the first fruit or the, or the first tenth of their income and give it to God, Okay? Verse 10, it says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, 
Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple. Okay, underline that first phrase. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple. Okay, he says, not 5% of your income, not 9% of your income, not 9.9%, but bring the full 10% to God. Look, and we're to do it off the top, not, you know, if there's anything left over at the end, because we all know there's never anything left over at the end, right? That's why the word tithe means first tenth. Now, notice that we're supposed to bring that first tenth to the temple. The temple is the modern day, the modern day equivalent of the temple is the local church, okay? So, the tithe is supposed to go to the local church, not to child relief organizations or other charities or other nonprofits, anything like that. It's supposed to go to the local church. And here's what the Bible says. It says, so that there will be plenty of food there. That's a reference to the church's ministry to the poor and hungry in the community. God says, put me to the test and you will see that I will open the windows of heaven and pour out on you in abundance all kinds of good things. Look, I'm telling you, the Lord is clear. There's no ambiguity here. We're to, commanded to bring 10% of our income to God and give it to him through the local church, okay? That's how the church functions. But the primary reason to tithe isn't for the church. It's for you. And it's for me. It's to keep my heart from trusting in money and trusting in God instead. Look, here's the thing. You can say all day long that you trust God, but if you don't tithe, you, you really don't trust God. Now, you might want to trust God, but you don't really trust God. You really trust God if you trust him to provide for you by giving him 10% of your income. And yes, you tithe even if you are in debt. Look, every you know, really great you know, get out of debt story I have ever heard, it all starts with either that person or that couple surrendering their finances to God. And when you surrender your finances to God, it starts by saying, okay, God, I trust you with my finances, and so I'm giving you 10%, asking you to bless the other nine-tenths. Every great story I've ever heard, it always starts out with that. And God says over and over and over again, he says, if you will trust him by tithing, that he'll provide for you. And he even gives you permission in the Bible that we just read. He gives you permission to test him. So, in fact, I believe that in tithing so much that I'm going to make it as easy for you as possible to, to start doing this. So, I'm asking you right here, right now, take the tithe challenge. That's your fill-in. Take the tithe challenge. Now, what is the tithe challenge? It is simply this. Tithe, full 10% before taxes, first thing, okay? Tithe for three months. If your life is not better off at the end of three months, then the church will give you all of your money back, no questions asked. How about that? No questions asked. Now, better off might not be, might be financially better off, might not be. It might not even mean that your life is easier. But at the end of three months, if you can't honestly say, you know what, my life is actually better off, we'll give, I'll give you all your money back, no questions asked. You don't have to explain it. We'll just give it to you. Look, you can't lose. Okay, 
There is no risk here. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible because look, here's the thing, I know God and I know his promises and I know what I've seen him do in my life and in the lives of so many other people when they surrender to him. In fact, I want you to hear from a family in our church that decided to step out in faith and trust God the last time we did a tithe challenge. So let's listen to their story. Hello, hi, my name's Carl Brooks. Uh, it's my wife, Kathy. Uh, we've been coming here, this is our fourth summer, so I guess that's four years. We moved to Houston in June of 2010 from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Work brought us here. And when we first moved here, we started looking around for a church. We, we just both fell in love with the park and, and, and what everyone here stood for. And, um, and we never did go anywhere else. We didn't, we gave regularly and, and we gave faithfully. It, it wasn't anywhere as we look back near 10%. Didn't really feel the need. Uh, you know, we both had good jobs. Uh, we were somewhat disciplined in our approach to things. Ends met little extra, um, but weren't stressed about where our next paycheck was coming from. Yeah, I had never actually had anyone really explain to me what tithing was, so it was, it was a new concept to me. So then the tithe challenge rolled around. It, it really hit home to us almost simultaneously that we were supposed to do this, that God was moving us to do this. But we had some worries coming up about some financial concerns that we had. Uh, my parents also were um, aging parents and, and they live in Canada where uh, we were thinking we were going to be responsible financially for them. So she's doing the math and she's adding it up and we're like, really? <laughs> Can we, that, that's the number? Oh man, what are we, really? She says, that's the number. The spreadsheet that I keep, it, it really is literally the first line on that spreadsheet. Is the, the, well, the first line is the money coming in, the, the salaries, and the, and the line right beneath that is, is God. And that's what it says. And it says, I have put a note beside that, that this is the first, um, first and most important payment that we make each month. And, and it's really non-negotiable. Um, and I really think some of the tithing um, from the tithing, I really think that I've learned to do a better job of budgeting. And we're, we were pretty good spenders of money and didn't really keep track. Um, and you know, and, and hopefully in the not too distant future, we will retire and we'll retire, um, uh, you know, and, and be quite comfortable. But this really helps us to focus. We're not going to do this through gritted teeth. We're going to do this because it's the right thing to do. And we came to the same conclusion, like you said, after many conversations. And they weren't difficult conversations. It was like, this is obvious to us. We need to do this. The timing was incredible. We started writing these checks and started tithing. And, and you got a call from your, your dad one, uh, one weekend. And uh, they just happened to, within a short period of time of us tithing, uh, came into some money that uh, we were not expecting at all, that, that relieved a financial burden. So it wasn't us that felt that, uh, that relief, but it was a commitment that we felt that we may have to have in the future, and, and they were provided by the Lord. For me, it's really helped me to realize that I'm just a custodian of what I have, um, what we have. And I guess, you know, it's sort of just giving back to God the blessings that He's provided to us. They're not mine, and, and I'm here to just manage them and manage them to the best of our abilities. 
And so this is just, you know, if he wanted 20%, then, then we would write a check for 20%. It's not ours, they're just things. Yeah, don't be one of those families to say, we're so blessed, but we can't give 10%. We've also expanded what, what we give to now, so it's not just tithing. We, uh, you know, recently KSBJ had their share and, and we gave a generous donation to that. We, we also sponsored two children through World Vision that we've done through the church, and we just keep expanding mm -hmm. um, and hopefully sharing what we have. I mean, that to me is, is so, more, so important, is, is to share the blessings that we've been given. Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. So look, take the tithe challenge. Okay, because look, I want, I want you to see how all of this fits together, okay? Look, you are commanded to tithe. And that's what starts the ball rolling in your life to become generous. So look, if you give away 3% of your income, you're not generous, okay? You're nice but you're not generous, okay? And when you give 10% of your income to God, then now you are fully on the road to becoming generous. And then when God inspires you to give to other Christian causes, then you can do so with a happy heart because money doesn't have a grip on you. Materialism doesn't have a grip on you. God does, because you are trusting him by tithing. And then when he inspires you to give beyond your 10%, like you can do that with a really happy heart because your heart belongs to him fully, completely. Look, that, that's what it was like for me when, for, in my journey. Look, look, I started tithing when I was a little kid, and I've never stopped, but... That's not what made me generous. But I will say this. Tithing is, the, is what put me in a position where I could become generous. Now, Amy and I, we continue to tithe. We always tithe. And now, we give more than 10% of our income to the church. In fact, if you add up all the things that we give to, we give away about 20% of our income every year. And we love to give. We love to give. It's enjoyable for us. And now you've heard my story. And you've heard the story of Carl and Kathy. And now it's time for you to start writing your story. So find your connection card. Let's take some next steps together. Perhaps it's this first next step. I will pray regularly, God, please make me a generous person. It's the same prayer I used to pray. God, please make me a generous person. Would you begin by praying that? Next, I'll memorize Proverbs eleven twenty four. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Would you take that as the next step? Memorize that verse. It's great because it really captures both ends of the spectrum. Next, I will do what generous people do regardless of my feelings. You just got to be generous even if you don't feel like it. I promise you, the feelings will eventually come. Next, I am taking the tithe challenge. 
Would you do that? Take the tithe challenge. If you've never given before, take the tithe challenge. If you've given, but you're not giving 10%, take the tithe challenge. Three months, three months. And if your life's not better off, we'll give it all back. No risk. Take the tithe challenge. Next. I will pray the prayer to become a genuine Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Now, we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet, but here's the deal. The most generous thing that anybody has ever done for you is what God did when he sent Jesus Christ. Because you had a sin debt that you honestly could not afford to pay yourself. Because if you were to pay your sin debt yourself, that means that you would, when you die, you would be eternally separated from God. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that he could pay your sin debt for you. And when he died on that cross, he provided forgiveness. And now he waits for you to accept it. Now, he does expect that you will follow him from this point forward if you do accept that gift. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you and then pledge your life to following him, you can do that right now. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. I want you to check this box and pray that prayer because I'm going to mail you some stuff in the mail to help you get started. But pray that prayer. I'm going to give you a chance to do it here in just a second. Before we do that, two more next steps. Next, uh, sign me up for a, small, for a fall small group. Write down the code in that line right there. Now look, if you've just been looking at your catalog the whole time trying to figure out where you're going to go and just been tuning me out, okay, like, uh, it's okay, you're forgiven. Um, now's the time to, you know, bear fruit with your efforts. So write down the code there. And then the next one, sign my child or teen up for a small group. Now we need you to write your kid's name so we know which kid goes in what group and then write the code. There's one. If you've got more than three kids, just keep filling down the form like we're smart people, we can figure it out, okay? But I'm going to give everybody a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through with the next steps you've chosen to take today. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and take these moments to pray and ask God to help you follow through. say thank you for your generosity to us first in sending Jesus Christ and in other ways how you're so generous to us in this life I ask that you would help us all to become generous people and that would start by tithing and Lord for those in the room that have the courage to step out in faith and trust you by taking the tithe challenge Lord I ask that you would bless them and that you would make their life better off three months from now, whether, whether that's financial or not, but make their life unquestionably better off to show and prove to them that you're real and that they can trust you because you're good and you're God. And bring us back safely next week so that we can hear more. And I ask you to do this in the name of the one who died for all. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.